0: Hi, Nolan. We're gonna edit this out anyway. Love you, Nolan. Take your pants off, as if they weren't already off. Bold City Longsword presents the Swords and Stereo Podcast.
1: Swords and Stereo. I'm Matthew Stinson.
2: I'm Keith Ham.
0: Johan Lopez. All right,
1: today we're going to talk about teaching the funnest part of Hema.
0: I find it pretty fun.
1: <laughs> the uh, so if you're new to Hema, if you're just starting a club or a member of a club, you're either going to be a student. And be under a teacher, or you'll be teaching yourself both these things can be very awkward, especially because we're doing something physical I think I think I'm gonna start with the quote that Dr. Bill said a couple episodes back when he was this uh he was talking about the difference between teaching and coaching so Dr. bill said teaching is what happens. When you do blank or a uh, or teaching is this happens when you do blank, but coaching is when you try to do blank, this happens. So co- when you're coaching, you assume they already know, at least in theory, what they're trying to do, and you're helping them to do it better. Teaching you're, you're giving them that tool. That they'll be using later. So when you're teaching, it's either a technique, a theory, or a strategy. And I think theory and strategy are very similar, but they're not the same, because a a strategy is is a plan, while a theory is you're you're trying to discover if something's going to work or not. When I started teaching, I I was just Regurgitating material that other people had told me. I hadn't put any nuance into it myself. What about you, Keith? Uh, I know you in the SCA, y'all do a type of partnership where there's someone directly under you for a while.
2: It, that doesn't really enter into like n- the normal teaching scenario. Um, that's usually later on when someone's already been a student for a while and you just make them a student with a, a capital S yeah like I, I was I was kind of going through some of the same stuff of like I had researched because um, I didn't I didn't have anybody around doing historical rapier at the time, so it was all coming from you know the internet. I was reading people's blogs and stuff, and I would try it and see that it worked, but then the best way I could explain it was just to quote them um, and show them what how I had approached it and turned out working.
1: And, I, Johan, you actually volunteered to teach at our school this summer. Um right. We closed the club down for COVID for, like, two, three weeks. And you were supposed to start our sword and buckler program in May. And because the lack of attendance and the shutdown and everything, you just helped me cover longsword instead. How was that going from
0: student to teacher? Um. I mean, in some ways rough, but, uh, like, thoroughly interesting. Um, Because, I mean, like, you know, that that idea of, like, give a lesson, take a lesson, where by having to actually explain um, the principles that you thought you knew, you end up having to deepen your understanding of them. So, yeah, I don't know. It's been been thoroughly enriching in that sense. Yeah,
1: I mean, as far as understanding what i'm trying to do teaching made that jump leaps and bounds uh the the only downside of teaching is usually in class you're not drilling so you kind of have to find your own time to drill but i mean as far as like once you have to explain it to someone and they don't get it and you have to find a new way to explain it and then that happens a dozen two dozen three dozen times. Uh, you you really start to figure it out on your own. Um, I think with the especially with Hema, because it, we're so fetchbook, you know, like it's all based around the fetchbooks. You have that ancient authority behind you, where you can say, "I promise, I'm not making this up. <laughs> Here's this 400 year old book that says I'm right." and that that's really comforting to me too especially when the the more comfortable i become with the book and i can just whip it out on people and be like no right here page 47 chapter chapter two (laughs) highlighted in green this one here this says i'm right and please start doing it the way this green highlighter says right here uh
2: that helps all hail the highlighter
1: all hail the highlighter that's right
0: (laughs) that gets tricky too though because like the sources are amazing, but like there's that degree of interpretation. And then like, there's also that further degree of like the translation versus the original text. And, uh, you know, you, you get a bunch of myrists in a room, you're going to get some, you know, degree of deviation between all of them.
1: Well, actually, I actually find that a good as a good thing too, though, because if the student, he, he like I explain it to them, they don't think I'm right. I show them in the book. They still don't think I'm right. What do they have to do now? They have to go fucking study. Good, go
0: study. Uh, Are you suggesting that they they need to uh, trust but verify?
1: Yeah, I, I believe we had a whole episode about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it and usually when they start reading the book, they don't stop, and then they can turn around and teach me something. And they think they'll think they're being sneaky, but that's actually what I want. I want you to teach me stuff so I don't have to read it.
0: Thanks. He, uh, we touched on this a little bit when, when Josh visited but like that's the goal right of like help everybody grow more so that like that can get paid forward and everybody just helps each other grow and to become infinitely better fencers
1: it's like when Samwise asked Frodo to carry the win- ring for him he's like share the load <laughs> but I won't freak out I'll give you the ring that shit's heavy <laughs>
2: And you know, the more people you can get to, to a, a stage where they can teach, even if it's just, you know, running parts of class, the less you have to do in class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a really big proponent of that as anybody who's been in my rapier class can attest.
0: Has that uh has that backfired on you in any way at any time?
2: Uh every now and then I gotta step in and like correct somebody. Um Usually it's just uh, an emphasis thing, but sometimes people will start saying something. I'm like, I never told you anything like that. Please don't repeat that in this room ever again. <laughs> but it, it's it's really rare.
1: So one of the goals, I guess, what we're saying is is to encourage the student to to trust and verify. We had a we had a whole episode about that where we were the student, but now on that other end. Uh, yeah, pl- please go make sure I'm right. Mm-hmm. Please try this in sparring, and if it doesn't work, tell me why you think it doesn't work. That that again, we're almost over in the the coaching territory, so we need to bring that back. To harp on some of the other episodes we had though too is that fundamentals not tricks episode. So if we can if we can teach a student uh, help them discover the overall context of what we're telling them that will help teaching in the future much better because That's we'll
2: pa- be Capo has a quote um in his like introduction or like when he's just talking about the state of fencing as they all did you know in their intros where they complain that kids don't know what they're doing blah, blah blah he talks about uh essentially false masters um teaching not a system but a bag of tricks that has served them well and because they've been successful they assume that they know how to fence and how to explain fencing to other people and so they they just like oh do this this always works do this this works in this scenario and they don't actually teach good fencing they they teach whatever has worked for them Um, and so like he specifically calls that out I have it uh, copied somewhere.
1: I think so I think what we're we're talking about though is when earlier when we were talking about teaching fundamentals and using a core language what we're doing is we're we're trying to teach the student how to learn to fence. Like we're not teaching them how to fence, we're teaching them how to figure it out on their own,
0: which is the goal. Right. Teaching principles so that they may know the way broadly.
1: And we can do, yeah, oh yeah, this, the Musashi thing. Lucas keeps saying, the uh, so, like, so when we're doing our drills and our exercises, uh, we can help that along by pointing out all the fundamentals, uh, fundamental principles that w- that's incorporated in that. And we can use that same language over and over and over again. That way, even though it's a, even though the drill is doing a very specific thing, the the they won't, they won't just focus in on the one move they're doing, they'll think about it in a much broader context. So, when you Johann started getting ready to teach sword and buckler, what was your what did you do first? What was your first your move, your power move? You're like, I'm going to teach, I want to teach sword and buckler, I'm going to go do this to get ready,
0: trust but verify along whatever avenues I felt were most reasonable. So I started by, uh, well, having the privilege of attending Rapier and Saber Pedagogy Retreat, um, hosted by the awesome David Koblenz and Dory Koblenz. Yeah. Um And that was mainly about getting some degree of formal context for teaching as a whole. Like I wasn't going exclusively for the content because obviously, you know, not Sword and Buckler, you know, directly related, but to To understand how vastly more credible fencers go about sharing information and uh, you know h- handle students of a wide variety of personalities in a rapid fire uh, got to actually attend that with uh, with Lucas earlier this year and that was a real good time and then the second avenue the uh, the phase I felt was important after that was now that i I have that loose grasp of teaching principles, time to look at the context and build knowledge in the content itself. So I went straight to Scott Brown, uh, was training with him on the regular in Orlando for a little while as he is a uh, a well-known and successful uh, 133 practitioner and uh, and teacher that felt like making him The center of my dive into the source, a person through which I can verify my interpretations, felt like uh, like the right way to go. Unfortunately, obviously, then COVID happened, and all that's been kind of put on hold. But that was where I was going. Uh, Since then, it's been checking out the content that he's recommended, as well as you know going through the functional drills that he gave me. Also, when uh, Josh Ferrett visited last, he recommended me. The one three three content uh, produced by uh, Anthony Bonomo, and there's been a lot of cross pollination between uh, what he's said, what David Rawlings has said, and obviously what Scott Brown has said. So I've been been feeling pretty good about that in general, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much been the layers that I've been going through. We haven't
2: a- so to to make that less specific, you. Sought out people who were more experienced in the thing you wanted to teach, mm-hmm. and you sought out actual information on how to teach, not just how to do the thing you're teaching mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh body is a sexy foundation, so I built a body upon which I could teach from my perspective, and then once I felt I had a basis for that body, I went for feeling and purpose in in context. <laughs> core language guys
1: was <laughs> speaking of core language that's what i was gonna uh, ask you about we haven't talked about this yet so when you when we start sword and buckler and we're a meyer club meyer doesn't have sword and buckler
2: he teaches dusak though and it's the same thing
1: it's the same yeah so i, I was <laughs> are you going to are you going to incorporate the language we already use for our Meyer classes into your I-33 or are you going to try to use what the, the main language they use in the sources you're reading now
0: and, do, and does it overlap a lot or not at all? Have you I, found It overlaps a good amount in the sense that like, you know, it, it's still swords, it's still line measure time. Um, you know, it's still fighting, you know, as far as like the loosest principles in regards to attaining the overbind, barring out pressure in the bind and all of that controlling space and managing lines. It's all the same. You know, there, there's a lot of parallels that could be drawn between bat and rapier and dagger. Um, and those aren't, you know, very far from, you know, what we talk about in regards to Zornort plays and, uh, and all of that. If we get into like uh, the minutia, obviously there's, there's a good amount of difference in different challenges because it's a completely different weapon set. Um, but it's still the same game. It's just happening at a different measure with some slightly different mechanics
1: if you're if if we're starting and we're teaching and we haven't taught before, there's gonna be some imposter syndrome where you're like, "What the fuck am I doing up here teaching these people i I still go through this all the time how do you keep especially because you've been teaching longer than all of us do you have some advice to manage that i mean i i think it's healthy for you you know you don't want you don't want that to go away completely you don't want to just be like "Ah, i'm i'm the best teacher in the world and i know everything (laughs) i can i couldn't possibly learn another thimble amount of knowledge if you train under me, you'll be the greatest fighter that ever lived. I, I don't think people, I don't think people need to be that way. That, I don't, know, But also the, you don't want the reverse of that. You don't want to be like, Oh my God, I'm just regurgitating what this book. I, they don't even need me. I could play an audio book and it'd be better than me. You know, like so <laughs> there, there's a middle oh. ground there.
2: Yeah. So imposter syndrome is definitely something I've dealt with a lot but like there's a there's a lot of things that like kind of feedback into like building confidence like i had the the benefit of beginning historical fencing in a much smaller pond you know and the, like the, the florida sca community rather than like the entire southeast Hema that we deal with when we go to surfo so i could look back and like start counting up tournament wins and even if they're not like as big a deal as surfo like I had a lot of them. So like, okay, clearly I can put some of this into practice and then working with other people who were teaching this, you know, and I had to travel to do that. But when I'd get with them and they'd teach me stuff, I already knew it was kind of, you know, encouraging. And then when I'd try to talk to them about what I was struggling with and their interpretations would come back in a way that I was already like two steps into, but just hadn't finished so that it all like made sense we weren't speaking different languages i'm like okay then i'm clearly on the right path at least and even now years into it like i still get frustrated or, or whatever you know whenever things happen that i can interpret as me sucking or people not having any respect or whatever when i see somebody that like is widely respected teaching this material and it's almost exactly the kind of stuff i say it's like oh yeah okay i, I I'm right about some of it, at least. And like you were saying, the the parroting thing, feeling no better than an audiobook, having been that guy that started with nothing but written sources, I can tell you that having a person saying word for word what the book says, but then being able to do it is so much better than just having the book. And that that's kind of what I I can fall back to. I like, think I might not be the best person ever at explaining, you know, rape here. Right? I know I'm not very good at like biomechanics. It's just, it's not a thing that I'm great at, but I can do it. I can tell you how it's supposed to work and then I can show you what it feels like to have it happen to you um, or, and then show you why whatever you were trying to do won't work against it. And so then you get that tactile feedback that does make you way more useful than a book. So like he's kind of find those little avenues of, what what am I bringing to the table? And then pay attention to what other people say about the same source. You know, if the top messer guy in the world is saying stuff that sounds like nonsense to you, well, one of you is wrong, and you might want to figure out which one it is. But if the top messer guy in the world is saying the same stuff as you, then hey, you're you're probably you know doing pretty good, like on the right page at least you know I mean, you could both be wrong but i think lower variables
1: i think uh, for me personally you know just hanging out with you two and lucas i keep getting a false negative because i'm like these guys they know their shit <laughs> what the, what, they, they know this so good
2: and that's because have, we've all all three of us have been to rasp
1: oh okay well <laughs> i'll try i'll just quit my job
2: yeah
0: <laughs> but for, uh for what it's worth keith in regards to biomechanics you've given me some of like the most useful principles that i inform a lot of that structural shit off of the pommel yeah, is a rocket
2: <laughs> from years and years of analogy i know i'm bad at like looking at a lunge and be like oh you need to turn your knee this little bit for these scientific reasons and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, no, that's bad because you'll hurt yourself. I can't tell you why you just will. And I can, I could probably go get x-rays of my knee and show you that. Yes. It hurts.
0: (laughs) I mean, like the medically precise answer would be verbose, but like just being like, Hey, keep these things in alignment. Use your large muscles, not all your complicated, small ones. That's where stuff it's enough to go off
1: of. Always telling me to use my large muscles. It's, it's, it's annoying. (laughs) He's always just like Matt. The large one. Do that one. He's right. He's
2: right. Bigger bones, too. Use the bigger bones. (laughs) Like a walrus. Just like a walrus.
1: (laughs) Johan, so you've recently went from student club member to instructor club member.
0: How was that transition? Uh, Uh, I mean, I think it's still rough in that regards, like imposter syndrome was a thing for me just being a practitioner to begin with. So it's kind of on persistent turbo mode now, particularly like times when I'm like running a class alone or whatever. Like I, you know, I answer questions to the best of my ability, but there's still always that like self-check of like, my God, did I explain that right? Am I, am I leaving out nuance that they need? Or like when they go to practice on their own, is this going to be like a telephone game and they're going to, replicate what I said but not actually practice correctly <laughs> it's a weight you know of sorts it's been thrilling you know in, in its own ways it's, it's kept me really engaged and interested in the hobby you know wh- listening to that Dr. Bill interview like I felt so thoroughly called out but like also like challenged and enriched because I was just like yeah like these are the stakes like this is what matters it's about making everybody around you better and spiraling up in return you know. So it's all that like good competition shown in bonds of friendship bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's our whole club in a nutshell, right there. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I me and Lucas, we actually we came by the clubhouse last night after class, and you were you stayed after class and did extra time with one of the new students. And wow. I was li- I was listening to you talk, and I was like, "He is such more eloquent than me." I'm just like, "Yeah, man." And then you fucking
2: you <laughs> case know, in point. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: that wasn't entirely <laughs> altruistic. He uh he had a card. He wanted to pay for the month, so I was like, "Matt said he'd be by after class. You know, if you want to keep going over stuff, we can." <laughs> but uh, that that was that was uh okay not entirely for his go- for his good, although it still was. <laughs>
1: You're like a you're like a mid level Batman villain. Like I'm just gonna keep I'm just gonna tie this guy down to the <laughs> boss
0: gets here. <laughs> to a degree, some of my perspective as an instructor comes from having academically been a game developer, and like games are all about teaching people without people realizing that you're teaching them. At least when they have class about it, you know, designing levels, designing tutorials, and interactions that give people all the principles to get through the game smoothly without be stopping, you know, all the pace and being like, Hey, do this, then do this, then do this. Like, no, find, find a motivation that's intrinsic to them and then like pull them along um, and give them the, bake the principles that you want them to learn into stuff that's fun. So like, that's, I don't know if we want to get into this right now, but like, that's been kind of my approach to, how I try to, to hold class is give everybody those principles, but like I- integrate it into uh, the activity. I
1: mean, we can get into it. If you want to go deeper, put your scuba suit on, jump, man.
0: The silly shorthand that I've been approaching it with is my class progression follows uh, vegetables, meat, and dessert. Um, <laughs> so The start is you got to have your vegetables. So you got to do your footwork. You Footwork. Footwork is king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta go through your structural checklist and make sure that all your mechanics are good and dialed in and warmed up and your body's ready to move so like a lot of that is do these basic things for longsword that's usually some variation on quartering um, if it's a Ma- Ma- Meisterhau day um, obviously they'll do the meister How in a couple different mechanical ways most commonly, this shows up in transitioning between footwork models, so like we'll start with standard passes and gathers, we'll transition to throwing things with a pivot in place, and uh, those are the two most common variants, but you know different things you know as appropriate right? We might work springing steps, um, we might work transverse footwork, that kind of stuff um, open and closed posture absolutely. Um, <laughs> We get through that, so all of that is baked into the basic drills, right? So just by throwing, you know, a good Zornhow, you're running through your structural checklist, you're working footwork, um, at least if you're properly driving it with your hips and all of that, and then you're still swinging a sword, so if you find all of that boring somehow, then you're still swinging a sword and feeling badass, so you're eating your vegetables without knowing it, and then from there we go into meat or material, which is all of the tactical uh considerations regarding the, the topic of the class. So, you know, if it's a Meister How Day, here's three different ways to use it, you know, provoker, or taker, or hitter, um, three specific scenarios at least for that. Um for something that's more loose like thrusting, we might look at overbind mechanics, how to meet a bind in an advantageous way and all that. You know, whatever the class needs. And then your dessert is at the end basically, you know, your your fun time, right? So uh, for students that are particularly experienced, this could mean sparring. Um, it hasn't uh, just due to attendance and all of that for the most part. In the context of normal class, it's certainly uh, decision games or the uh, the layers that we've been doing in Rapier where you, uh, you have a specific action that is productive and uh, common in a fight. You do that five times, then your partner... Does a response that is valid and mechanically sound? They do that five times, and you just go back and forth. You usually, do four layers, sometimes more. Yeah, as, um, as like a RPG geek, I love that turn-based rapier game. It, you right. know, it's like it's like <laughs> yeah.
1: Final Fantasy II. You know, it's like
0: it's good in the sense that like you find your own intrinsic motivation to go through it because like because you're the one building these decision trees, even if it's quote unquote you know a lot of basic answers you still made that decision so you get that perceived value of i'm a badass i just did this thing correctly and killed my partner not really you know as you go through that tree and you find the trees that you like doing you ideally personalize the system to your to your needs and i can hopefully take those those segments those sentences and learn to see those opportunities in sparring and once you can see those opportunities you can seize them and you're basically just building devices you know right yeah
1: you know and and you'll see you'll you'll see that the fundamentals work you know because if you don't do the fundamentals you don't defeat your your
0: partner you know right yeah i can do something that looks incredibly fancy and flashy but like if it's not backed by good structure and if i haven't done it at the right time it with the right placement it's not worth anything because they're just going to make me eat my lunch you know I I can start zwerkoptering from 50 feet away and have somebody just sit there and put their strong where my sword's going to be and stab me in the face. Like that, everything has to be in its proper context, right? Well, at the beginning
1: of the episode, I was talking about how uh, teaching is technique, theory and strategy, and you have trumped me with your vegetables, meat and dessert conversation. So (laughs) I'm just going to throw this sheet of paper away
2: oh Food analogies are always better
1: (laughs) like i just want i just want green beans now is that weird (laughs) is that your dessert or your vegetables Uh, depends on what day it is i guess i don't the last one of the last topics i was going to talk about is uh patience because i i've ran into it where i'm not getting something and i could i could see my teacher getting frustrated and I've also been on the other end of that where I'm like, how, like, it's like, I've I've told you eight times. It's, it's so simple in my head. I'm going to, I just need to take a deep breath. I've, I've been in that situation where, you know, you're, you're, you're controlling your emotions, but you, you you've reached a point, you don't know what to do. And we just talk about how, ways to overcome that. Um, Cause not, you know, not everybody learns the same. I know. Keith, you said you you collect little sayings just so you can shotgun them at people and see which one their brain thinks is delicious.
2: Yeah, sometimes, like, my preferred analogy just doesn't work, but something else that means the same thing to me will suddenly make everything click for them. Um, so, like, I'll just go down the list, basically, of what it's like to lunge. Whether it's the the rocket pommel or you know, the anchor overboard or the little kid getting yanked by the dog on a leash, which is the the newest one, because it just was amusing. But you know, like one of those is going to convey the idea that I want. If not, then I just grab the sword and pull them, uh, and they tend to get it by then. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I like
0: Go to ahead. think of it as you're a bullet your rear leg heel is the primer. The rest of your body is the powder. And then obviously the projectile is a sword. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All my body's powder.
1: (laughs) I don't even know what that means, but it feels right. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes I'll know the student has no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm just like, we're going to get in front of the mirror and you're going to do everything I do as slow as I do it. And even if you don't get it, we're doing this for fifteen minutes, <laughs> and I feel like that's better than just giving up. I guess.
2: No, sometimes it's definitely appropriate to just move on, or or focus on a different part of whatever it is they're they're trying to do. And if you fix the the hip, maybe it fixes the hand in the process, you know, or whatever variation of that. You know.
1: We um, don't have children's classes, but I'm sure this is a big. This is a much bigger issue the the younger the student gets uh, the, the, the 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 fact that i I still have trouble explaining stuff to people who don't naturally get it. that's one of the big reasons why I'm so hesitant to even bring up starting a children's class
2: it's It's pretty rough i I was blessed with a, you know a really good student for his age um at, at seven he could follow most of my instructions some of the more complex actions he he wouldn't get at first or he I, I, after banging on it for a little while he'd get it and then as soon as we introduce something new he would forget it um so you just kind of have to loop back in or focus on different parts like i was saying and just try to keep it moving so that they don't get bored and notice how bad they're they're struggling but then it wasn't until i really got into like tactics that I was like, oh yeah, he's he's not going to get this. Like, I can't, I can't really explain initiative and like third intent to a seven-year-old. But he was he was doing great for a while, and unfortunately, I've, I've had experiences since then that have convinced me that no, kids aren't actually that easy, even as not easy as that was. But yeah, kids would would definitely be a challenge.
1: Well, no, I've been on the other end of that. I, I know, know I've I... taught you, Rapier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, no, you tried to teach me right here. I uh, I don't think I don't think I've learned it yet. But
2: um, I use that past tense. <laughs> well, how do you how do you lunge?
1: The home
2: There you go. See, I taught you something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You, you light the fuse and hang on for dear life. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've so I've been on the other end of it though. So like, I mean, I've I've gotten to where. Uh, you know, growing up in school, I was like, not special needs, but I was in the, this This kid has trouble reading, he needs to go in this room over here with the other kids that has trouble reading, and all that stuff. Coming, trying to learn something while you're frustrated, makes someone who can't learn, or has trouble learning, have more trouble learning. Yeah uh and sometimes it's better just to take a step back to yeah like you said move to the next part maybe give them something to read or watch after class uh when they, they can think about it after they're they're not mentally exhausted i know especially with the rapier like you said you know i you know my first what, what 38 classes i was just super horrible and I would come home and solo drill. And that, like, that's when I was figuring more stuff out. Uh, Cause there's so much, there was so much pressure not to look stupid at the club, but when I got home and I'm you know, fucking in my backyard in my board shorts, it, it wasn't a, a big deal. If I messed up, I guess to tell them that it's okay not to get it right away, you know, make the club a safe space. And Hey, if, Hey, we all sucked when we started and, you're gonna suck for a real long time. So this is this is just normal.
2: <laughs> so I I almost always stress with new students when I you know first explain like the lunge is like the first thing we look at, and I said, okay, in about a billion of these, you'll be kind of good at it because it's it's gonna take a while. Like I'm gonna come back every thirty seconds and tell you something you're doing wrong and try to help you fix it, when, uh, but just keep doing them.
1: There and there is that moment where. Someone comes in and they're like, swords are so cool. And they have like this weird hero fantasy in their head. We're like, I'm going to be a sword fighter. Fuck yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I'm not.
2: <laughs> and I'm, I'm not so secretly hard. gifted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a prodigy. What happened? Hollywood lied to me. And I mean, like some people don't recover from that. And then some people do recover from that. It just that that that's a hard smack in the face sometimes.
0: It's kind of a necessary one though, you know, like you got to got to understand that like you need to break everything you thought you knew down in order to to learn
2: productively. Some people never get it. And you know, that that's fine, right? That's
0: But I will
1: one day, Keith. That's the point. Mhm. I think the last thing I was going to talk about was um I was I was listening to some of our prior episodes, and we—I um, uh, don't think y'all were there. Actually, I think it was me and Lucas. We were talking. We were just talking about the art part of martial arts, and we kept describing it as making it pretty, and that doesn't really—I mean, like that. I think we were we were we were being silly. We were just using that as a shorthand, but for what I guess for what I, I was really meaning was. Doing using the fundamentals to do something unexpected or creative. I think that's the end goal of teaching is when you're like you give them all these fundamentals and then they they do stuff that can surprise you with them. And it's just getting them getting them to the point where that to let them know that's okay. Like these are the rules, follow follow these rules until you know when to break them or when to bend them but yeah I, i'm still i'm still i'm still contemplating that what the the art part we didn't go that in depth with it in the previous episodes and i mean you definitely have to know what you're doing before you can start being creative with it
0: i mean i don't know that being creative with it is necessarily end game at least for me um because like you know it, if i nuke somebody from orbit with a mechanically perfect lunge there's nothing creative about that but it's just fundamentals applied appropriately and uh it, at least in my world you know form follows function and so pretty means maximally efficient you know tactically sound and just controlling the fight you know like it's not so much about being something that the world is, hasn't seen yet it's it's about achieving excellence and that being you know pretty on in it on its own.
1: Being able to see stuff that other people can't see yet.
2: I'm kind of with Johan on this because like it, it doesn't even have to be surprising or creative. Like there's uh there's a video out there of me fighting Miles Cup and I see his lunge coming from a mile away. I still didn't parry it <laughs> because it was good. And it, like he just he picked the right time and, and place to do it and I said Oh, he's lunging. I should parry. No, I died three seconds ago. Okay. <laughs> and it's just a lunge. It's that's it. But he, he used the art to do it well and do it, you know, at, like I said, the right time and place. And so like that, that art side of it for me um, has nothing to do with like the modern concept of art of being a, a purely aesthetic thing. And art is any trade. It's something that you can say, this is how you do it. And if you follow this advice, you will get consistent results, whether that's the way you build a cabinet or the way you polish a sword or the way you put the sword through somebody, they're all an art. You know, it's not exactly a science. um, And there's there's plenty of arguments about that in the intros to, to fencing manuals about whether it's an art or a science. And so like that, that's what it, it kind of boils down to to me is that it, it can it be represented in a way that like you can take this information, hand it to someone else and it'll do the same thing and not like, Oh, it's pretty. Or if you get good enough at it, it's beautiful. And everyone gasps and says, Ooh, such form. Although that should happen. Um, yeah, I
1: think, I think that's what, that's what was bothering me about listening to it. Cause we were, we weren't focusing, uh, I guess we were, we were focusing on, the aesthetic but that's just that's just when you notice it the most you know that's just you know when you're you're like oh that guy's really good because you see the aesthetic of it and then you see other people that are all equally really good doing equally great things and that's not any less art I and i was just i guess i was just trying to find a way to explain that and that way you can push your students towards that, you
2: know,
0: I think Uh, that's the end goal. I think part of the aesthetic quality for me, you know, like the art side of it is when it's active, like it's game time. And like when two people are fighting productively and making, you know, answering good decision with good decision and just flowing between like the, the principles of their systems and doing it well, that's when fighting is, is pretty. You know, it's not necessarily that they're being creative, although they are exploring and expressing their personalizations of their system. But it's it's that they're just so excellent in it and they're sharing that that moment together against each other.
2: Like, I I know. know. No, no. no. Uh, Just to, to harp on the thing we always harp on they're able to do that and be creative and look like they have all these answers because they're so well grounded in their fundamentals that they know the answer to any given situation. Right. Uh, because f- fucking fundamentals.
0: Yeah. It comes back to, you know, our lesson pyramid, right? It, it It's all on top of body. If you don't have body, your pyramids toppling, you know, feeling and purpose, space and time. Like that's all great, but it needs to be informed by body. They, they've,
1: They've come to understand that everything's a crump pal and they know the right crump how to throw
2: for the situation. Um, everything is a crump how and everything is a do So crump with your do sack and win fights. Every fight. <laughs> every, every fight, every fight. So the six cut drill is just six crumps. Yes. <laughs>
1: Quarter. So it was the
2: second. example with five cuts. It's just five crumps.
0: <laughs>
1: Sounds like a Christmas
0: song. Five crumps.
2: We had that. Uh...
0: Christmas Krampus Krumpau Christmas party the first yeah. year that I attended
1: yeah I, that, that, I, I miss I'm missing it out
2: <laughs> <laughs> I miss parties <laughs> uh,
1: all right well uh that's it for tonight um y'all got anything else to say profound about teaching
2: uh well actually since we're um we're kind of aiming some of this at newer people and those making the step from student to teacher, I wanted to address something to all of the other students not making that step. I won't ask Johan to comment on this much, um, and especially won't ask him to like name names, but there is a a certain point when you go from student with your peers to then being in a position of leading class, that people who have been there as long or longer than you suddenly like, well, I don't have to listen to him. Because, you know, I know more. I've been here longer. Like, don't be that guy or girl or whatever, that, that asshole. You know, all the way back to episode one. If you feel like someone else has taken that step before you and they don't deserve it, help them. Make them deserve it. And if, if you're actually helpful, then they'll probably realize you, you need to take that step too. Or... It could just be that they have the schedule availability and you don't, and that's why they're taking the step before you. But like, don't don't let ego come into that. When someone goes from student to teacher, you support that, unless of course you just know that they're full of crap, and then you go and you talk to the senior leadership or whatever, and be like, "Why is this happening?" Uh, but you have that pro- conversation privately, away from class, not by you know pitching a fit in the middle of it. So just like I said, support your your fellow students when they're trying to make this transition because it's it's rough.
0: I think by that same token, on the teacher side though, it's it's not about authority; it's about encouraging growth. Again, like you're yeah. just taking a different role in that cycle.
2: And but so that, that's really hard to get until you've been there. And so, like I said, that other student is just going to grumble about why is he in charge now.
0: Mm-hmm. The goal should be like we all get better. You know, we let's build the best fencers that we can. Personally, my goal is just to not get worse. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> not when COVID's over and it's time to knock all this rust off. It's gonna be it's gonna be a rough couple months.
2: <laughs> I think it was something else before that, though. I just don't remember what. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, thank y'all for listening. Check yeah. out uh, our Facebook page. We have T-shirts on T Public. I've been dropping some mad memes on Facebook. Keith even Did hearted it, one. All
2: of those memes are Matt. No, all oil. of them.
1: They know you're lying. All right. By <laughs> <laughs> well, the time it's
2: airs, I probably have made a meme. I don't know, but.
1: <laughs> all right, everybody. Good night. Balls, balls, balls.
2: <laughs> this episode
0: of Swords and Stereo was produced by Final Plank Media Productions. Theme song for Swords in Stereo is Thunderer by Professor Ogma. Check him out, too. To find out more about Bold City Longsword, visit their website at jacksonvillehema.com. To find more Final Plank Media-produced podcasts, visit finalplank.com, or visit us at Final Plank on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.